Oh, it's so good, so good to be with you. The Spirit's so good to see some of you for the first time in a long time. Some of you that are brand new with us today, we welcome you again. It's a big deal that you're here with us as we continue just as. Uh, like many of you, I picked up some hobbies during the pandemic, uh, returned to some old hobbies. For me, especially in 2020, I returned to something of my childhood that I hadn't really messed with or thought about much for a long time, and that is the wonderful world of sports trading cards. Okay? eBay, if you didn't know, like things got insane. Cards that were worth, you know, 10 bucks all of a sudden became worth 100 bucks. And the more rare they were, the more. And there's a whole world that I won't bore most of you with. Some of you are like, tell me more. There's a whole world craft and you grade them, you send them off somewhere and they grade them and tell you how, you know, what, what the what the uh, quality of the card is, and they got all backed up where you send them a card and you might get it back in 10 years, and it's just insane, the supply and demand. And I collected, you know, I mowed yards as a kid, and I spent way too much of the money I made mowing yards on basketball cards and football cards and baseball cards, and now I got kids of my own, and they started to get into it, you know, football cards, especially the basketball cards. So, man, in the, in the, in the deep throes of the pandemic, we were wheeling and dealing, right, because we know who's going to have a great year, right? So we would, we would invest in a player and their autographed rookie card, and then we would flip it and make a little money a few months later, and it was, it was fun stuff. And if you, if you don't have to know anything about that to know uh, if you're familiar with eBay, and if you don't know about eBay, I'll help you. But eBay is, is just a, like a digital yard sale, right? So you put your stuff on, and you can sell stuff a thousand different ways. Um, I do auction, right, which means... Uh, you can have a buy it now price. Hey, pay me 20 bucks for this card. Take it or leave it. That's boring, right? I do all the cards we've ever sold. We start them at 99 cents and we just want to get people bidding, get the excitement up. And, and that's how I buy cards. That's how I sell cards. And, and sometimes something doesn't seem quite right. So you can go to each seller and you can look at their seller rating, right? That tells you if people have complained, if they're shady or whatever. So 100% means nobody's ever said anything about you in the history of eBay. That's what I got. 100%, right? No, like it's, it's simple, right? You buy something, I ship it to you, I'm a good, right? So all that, and I see this uh, Kobe White card. Kobe White from down the road, played at UNC, went on to get drafted, first round place for the Chicago Bulls. It was this autographed rookie card that I was following, and it did on the weekend. Sometimes cards go for a little less in the middle of the week, and it was the middle of the pandemic. Um, and I've seen a very similar card, if not the exact card, going for 100 bucks. And this card was like 60. I'm like, you know, maybe I'll steal one. So I put in my bid. I can't follow it every day. So I found out the next morning, I won, I won the Kobe White autographed rookie card, graded. I got it for like 70, 80. I knew like that weekend I could sell it for 100. Right? So I'm, I pay, you know, money, all the digital stuff. Cool. This guy that sold it had 100% rating. It was all good until he sends me a message. Man, I'm so sorry, but the card is damaged, and I'm going to have to refund you. I'm like, oh, you know, stuff happens, I guess. And I thought, wait a second, dude, why, if the card's damaged, why didn't you take it off the listing? Like, you can't, you can't let it go to expire, and then I buy it. I really thought was, dude was expecting to get 100 bucks for this card. It went off in the middle of the night, and I kind of got a much better deal than he thought. He didn't want to sell it for 70 bucks because he knew it was worth 100. And now that I'd bought it, he was giving me the, it's damaged. I got several options, right, church? Right? What would you do? What would Jesus do? What did I do? 
I felt like, well, man, this guy, oh, let's, let's, let's email the dude or message the guy through eBay and just say, uh, man, it, I, I, it's, I find it interesting that it got damaged and you didn't take it off, but now that I've bought it for the price I bought it for, that it's damaged. Um, and, I, and I came at him very, uh, you know, casually, I thought. Boy, oh boy, that got him all riled up and, and he gives me the story and it's been a day and you don't know what I'm going through and my kid, my kid got a hold of my cards and he ruined the card, all right? So he blamed it on his kid and uh, questioned my character for questioning him. Um, and then I'm at this place, right? So do I, I feel like I got several choices. Do I, A, let it go. It's a dude I'll never meet, fund my money, it's a Kobe White card, it'll be okay. A. B, I can say some stuff, right? As a pastor, and we try to be real and all that, but the reality is leaders and Christians, not pastors, we represent Jesus in the community. So when somebody cuts us off, when somebody is being a jerk neighbor, we're representing Jesus everywhere we go. But I thought for a second... That's different online. Nobody, y'all will never know what I say to this dude. I'll never meet him. He's across the country. Maybe some of the stuff that I've been storing up for a decade or so that I never say, maybe I just unleash it off on this dude. He'll never know. I'll feel better. Yeah, you're shaking your head like you don't want, like that's a good option, right? That's B. Or C is, man, I can, I can uh, attack his 100% positive feedback rating, right? Let it go. Say some stuff, hurt his rating. Raise your hand if you're, this is you, all right? I'll tell you what I did, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back to it in a little bit. Raise your A person, I'm just gonna let that go. God bless you. My Bs, well, you're gonna probably say some stuff. Thank you for my honest folks. And then C, who's gonna, who's gonna come at that rating? All right, so it's A and C's. Coming at each other, that's interesting. Well, I promise you, I'll come back to what I did. But I, but I wanted to use that. Um, this has been a, it's been a powerful series for me, right? Not, obviously, if you've been around, you know that's not because of who's preaching. or It's because the, the content that God has given us is powerful, and God's done work in our church in the last two Sundays. He really has in hearts. And a lot of that is going to lead us to this day where I believe God's asking for a little more as far as a step of faith for you, which we'll get to at the end of the service. But, but I wanted to start with letting it go, forgiving. To me, when someone has demonstrated um, a lack of deserving that. It just doesn't feel right to me. It just doesn't feel right to just let it go. Which brings us to, I'm gonna put several things on the screen today and they're, they're, they're life-changing, powerful truths. And here is the first one, that forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a choice. If we wait to feel like forgiving the people we need to forgive. And, and we've kind of been leading into this for two weeks, and if you're with us, you're fine. You're caught up in this Just As series. We'll get to that scripture in a second. But, it, but, but today, it's, it's not those people and like hypothetical and theory. What we're talking about 
It's specific people in your life. You're never going to feel like forgiving some people in your life or maybe in your history. But forgiveness isn't built on a feeling. It's built on a choice. If you're a follower of Jesus in the room, then you have the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the the miracle of the gospel, the, the mystery of the gospel, Christ living in you. I can't do that, Pastor. You're right. You can't. Jesus in you is going to help you and guide you, instruct you. And that can get so frustrating, right? In my own heart, if I'm, as I'm hearing this own and knowing what we're preaching today, there's a part of me that was like, no, no, God, don't do that. Let me be you, and I'm all about you, and I'm so thankful for your forgiveness. I can sing those songs, and I can mean them. I love that you've forgiven me, but don't bring that into me and them because you're perfect and you're God, but I'm not, and they have wronged me, and I'm never going to feel like it, and I don't want to. And I don't want me and you, God, to trickle over or spill over into me and that person or those people. And the answer to that is our verse for this entire series, Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as, it's the name of our series, just as in Christ, God forgave you, that we cannot put these Forgiveness into two different buckets. One's me and God, and one is me and people. Know that just as I have been forgiven, that is the forgiveness through Christ in me that I give to others. Because the love that God has for me is based on what he has done for me. Love is flowing through me now to other folks. here's, Here's an important sentence on the screen. My sin required the blood of Jesus. You got to put your pronoun into that sentence, right? Not our sin, not their sin. My sin required the shedding of the perfect holy blood of Jesus on the cross. Right, it's so easy to see the worst of this world and the most evil things. It's so easy to say, yeah, God had to come to die for the sins of the world or to die for their sins or our sins or forgive me all sins, but you've got to get specific. It was my sin, and some of you still believe the lie that yes, I've got sin, but I don't, have, I don't do the awful things, whatever the awful things are in your world. So my not so bad sins, guess what? My not so bad sins, the ones that won't ever make a headline, won't ever get you arrested, will just people say, well, you're just human, myself selfishness, my pride, my tendency to put myself ahead of you, those sins required the blood of Jesus. That's the beginning. If you don't, Kim said it really well, if you don't start there, all of this stuff is just going to be ridiculous. It's based on what God has done for us. So here's how we're going to say it. Check this out. Your level of desperation, that's a good word, your level of desperation to be forgiven by God is going to have a direct impact on your ability to forgive others. Your level of desperation, oh, I will never make it. The gospel is built on a perfect, holy God that came to rescue and adopt me because I have no ability to save myself. 
I'll never get there. I'll never have a case to make before my holy God. Hey, here's how I lived. Here's what I tried. Here's what I did. So now you should forgive me based on what I did my best at. There's no case. I'm desperate. I'm, I need. I have no hope. I'm hopeless and helpless. I can't even breathe without you. I hear myself. That's really weird. All right. Can somebody tell David to shut up, right? All right, if you're on with us online, we're hearing me, and then we're hearing me again like five seconds later. So that may be helpful for some of you, right? If you don't listen the first time, then just tune me out, listen to the back, and you'll hear me on the back end. If we need to, if we need to cut the feed to the online, I, will, I bless that decision, guys, figuring it out in the back. Here's what Peter came. Peter came, don't put the slide up yet. Um, Peter came to Jesus and he said, listen, Jesus, I get the forgiveness thing, but there's got to be, how many times do I have to keep forgiving the same dude for the same thing? Right, he, I, I paraphrase. Here's how it says it in Matthew. Then came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? What we got, Jesus, seven times? Jesus, uh, Peter throws out a random number. And Jesus said back to him, I'm not saying seven, Peter, but 77. Now, if you know Jesus, you're like, it's not a literal, like, you know, 78 is the time we get to not forgive. It's a, he's just going crazy. Like, you say seven, let me just multiply that out. And, and the meaning behind that is, like, we don't count how many times we forgive. And it was those two very important verses that lead into the story that Jesus made up. I'm gonna I'm just read it to you. Sometimes I like to tell you the stories. I want you to see these words on the screen because the details are important because they're from the heart of Jesus. And the reason he told this story is he said, how, how many times I gotta forgive my, my brother who sins against me? Verse 23 of Matthew 18, Jesus says, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to counts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, 10,000 talents um, multiplied in today's world, like it's, 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 Jesus used an amount that nobody could ever, ever, ever pay back. 10,000 talents. If you do the math, because it's about, uh, there's all this formula of a day's wages then, which equals this many denarii, which equals this many talents. It's like $7 billion in today's money, 10,000 talents. So this dude, uh, where was it? When he began uh, to settle, uh, 10,000 talents, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees imploring, begging him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything, right? There's no chance he's paying everything. He'll never have $7 billion, but he's begging. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Nobody forgives a $7 billion debt, but that's what Jesus made up a story with the devils. Okay, the master forgave a debt that could never, ever be repaid. The com the, 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 what we're supposed to be thinking about is the debt that I have against God for my sin. He's holy, I'm rebellious, and I can never repay him for my rebellion. All right, so that's the, that's the connection. Verse 28, when that same servant who had been forgiven the $7 billion debt, that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Right, it's like three or four months wages today, 
right? So it's not nothing, $10,000, $12,000, depending on what, what. So it's not nothing, but it's actually something that over time you could work and pay off. This same servant went out. He found one of his fellow servants with 100 denarii owing him. He seized him, and he began to choke him, saying, pay well. So his, his fellow servant fell down, and he begged him, pleaded him, hey, have patience with me, and I'll pay you. But this dude refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. It's messed up, right? Jesus told a messed up story. 31, he said, Jesus said, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged and pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellows as I had mercy on you? Just as I had mercy on you, and there's a piece of me, church, if I'm really honest, that wish Jesus, we get it. Beautiful story. Peter asked the question, we get it. End it there, but he doesn't. There's another two verses. And in anger, his master delivered the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also, Jesus said, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Right, remember little kids, you make them stand and look at each other, tell them you're sorry. Sorry. Now look at them like you mean it. They don't mean it. If you make them say it, they don't mean it. This is not, we're in the service and you're going to look at God, you're going to think of that person that he's put on your heart and forgive them. No, it's forgive them from your heart. Well, my heart doesn't want to forgive. God is commanding and even harshly in some ways, like saying some serious stuff, and he's commanding something that we're unable to do without him. This isn't something you go do and come back to God, okay, I forgave him. He set it up so you can't. You can fake forgive him, but you can't from the heart Jesus forgive him without Jesus' help. Which is freeing. I can't do it. But he's gonna help me do it. He's in me too. Do it. It's pretty serious based on that story. Here's how we're going to say it this morning to go with us into our week and our life. You can't be gospel-centered church. You can't be all the gospel and stingy with forgiveness. Uh-oh. Because, man, we're all stingy at points, right? But, but we got to let God work us through that. I can't come up here. I've never been stingy with my forgiveness. But this is talking about overall, even when we're stingy, we let Jesus work us through that. If we're going to decide, no, I'm staying right here. I love God, but I'm a human, so he'll get over it. But I will not forgive that. You're not all in on the gospel because you don't understand what it took for you to be free and forgiven. And that's why we're here every week coming back to the same thing. It never gets old. We're centered on the gospel. It's the center because out of it, all the power of God comes from. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're centered on the gospel. We're focused on forever. And we don't want to take the short little life that we got weighed and bogged down because of our unwillingness to do what Jesus is going to help us do if we let him. So in our multi-ethnic gospel center forever focus, we're helping each other and praying through and learning how to not be stingy. Here's another, just giving you several ways to grab onto this truth today. You cannot receive forgiveness of God and then withhold forgiveness from humans. You can't, gimme, gimme, gimme. That's what the servant did. And no, Jesus did an exaggerative like, amount so that anybody then and now would hear that story and be like, no, you can't do that. You can't get forgiven billions and then go choke the dude that owes you 10 grand. You can't do that. But we do. 
In God's eyes, when we don't forgive, that's what we do. So many hard things with that, right? Number one on my list is I feel, just being real, I feel if I do forgiveness, like Jesus is calling me to do forgiveness, I feel like I'm letting people off the hook. I feel like I'm letting humans that need to learn a lesson and that don't deserve, I feel like I'm letting them off the hook and in some ways I feel like I'm enabling them when I just let it go. Scripture speaks to that. There's a bunch of places, but let's hear what God put in a letter to a multi-ethnic church in the city of Rome 2,000 years ago, in the 12th chapter. He said, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do honorable in the sight of all. If possible, listen to this church, this is big, especially in the next week when we close this out. If possible, so far as it depends on you. Sometimes it doesn't on you, it depends on somebody else. We'll get to that. If possible, as so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Right, Avenger movies, they're cool, right? But from God, we're never to avenge ourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay the Lord. It's not that vengeance doesn't exist, it's not not ours. To the contrary, verse 20, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to do. By doing so, what? You'll heap burning coals on his head. What? What are we? I'm now, I'm into, I'm into that. Like, I want to put some burning coals now. Like, that sounds better than forgiveness. That sounds kind of, like, that makes me feel better. So, so that's an interesting phrase that's connected to the Old Testament and some people, how to interpret it. The most likely thing that this means in the word, and it's connected to this phrase, and in the Old Testament, when you talk about burning coals on someone's head, it was bringing them to repentance. The idea here is don't take that into your hands. They, they may deserve it, but they don't deserve it from you because you know what you needed from God, so you're just going to love people, and by loving your enemies well, loving those that need to be forgiven, by loving them well, you're actually... You're going to make them so disgraced publicly, culturally, or better, you're going to make them question their enemy. Like, I'm trying to hate you, and you're feeding me, and you're being kind to me. By doing that, you're going to do something in them. You're going to heap burning coals, not literally, but you're going to, you're going to actually maybe draw them to repentance. You're going to make them question their hate and their, and he ends that paragraph with this amazing verse 21 do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good vengeance isn't ours we're not letting people off the hook but I'm a man of justice and things need to be made right they will be he loves justice more than you do he sees all and knows all and he will handle and deal and he's a God of grace and relentless love but there is a day where all of that will be over and it'll be time to settle scores and to repay evil. And that's not our place. Our place is just overcome evil with good. Now, I told you, this ain't, it's simple, but it's not easy. This is hard teaching. But, and I'm not backing off anything in scripture, obviously. And I'm believing here in not too many minutes, we're, we're trying to not say, hey, think about it. We're, we're trying, the end of this service is different than services we've done in a long time. We're trying to, we're praying that forgiveness is going to happen this morning. 
That's coming, I'm warning you. But before we get there, we need to have one other conversation because as much as everything I'm telling you is true and from Jesus and hard and right and best for you and you're called to it, we don't understand, a lot of us, I don't think I did for a long time, the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So, so if I just ended the message here, like it's not, it's not whole. Because what you might hear is, well, God loves me so much, he sent Jesus to die on the cross, and, and if I want to receive that forgiveness, then i got to forgive others. So this person comes and does whatever they want to me, and I just say, yeah, thank you, may I have another, and we just live as doormats. Like, that's not in Scripture. Forgiveness is what you're called to. That's on you. Reconciliation you do by yourself. That takes both parties or both whatever is involved. We forgive because we've been forgiven. That doesn't mean we don't have boundaries. Right? Part of me, I used to preach in this, in this moment, I would preach, you know, in a room this size, there's probably some that have dealt with extreme situations like abuse. And as I slowly came out of my ignorance, I learned that extreme is not the right word. Extreme is the right word if we're talking about the evil of abuse. Extreme is not the right word if we're talking about how many people in a room this size have been touched by abuse. It's not a fringe issue. It is way more rampant than, than anybody wants to admit in the church, out the church. And when you're talking about, and some of you know way more and better than I wish you did, when you're talking about physical, parental, sexual abuse. Yes, the God of love and mercy is going to walk you through what it means to let go of some things that have happened to you, but he's not going to call you to reconcile relationally with your abuser. That's not part of the scripture. Sometimes God's going to call you to protect your heart. And yes, to forgive and let some other people, God loves the abuser. God sent Jesus to die for the abuser. And there are people that can come around that abuser and love, but you as the, unless God tells you differently, which he has the right to do, nothing in scripture is going to call you to go try to reconcile a relationship to somebody who wronged you on that level. And some will, well, I hear it all the time, well, when you forgive somebody, you got to go tell them that you forget. No, you don't. Nowhere in scripture. Sometimes if God tells you to do that, he might. Like, do it. If, whatever God says, do it. Nothing in scripture. In fact, you do so much harm and damage sometimes when you go try to have a conversation to let somebody know you've forgiven them. And they're not even thinking they need to be forgiven. What was going to be a beautiful moment ends into another argument or another hurt or another pain. Sometimes. Sometimes. not. It's just between you and God. Your job is to forgive. But your job also is this beautiful verse in in the Old Testament Proverbs, it says, above all else, that's, that's, that phrase isn't in scripture very many times, above all else, guard your heart, because it's the wellspring, it's the source of life. So you need some godly wisdom, you need some people that have been following Jesus maybe in you, and you need some professional Christian counseling sometimes to differ differentiate, hey, I need to forgive, but I don't need to reconcile. But there are more than I ever realized situations where God's going to call you to forgive and, and reconciliation just isn't going to happen. Here's what I think we need to see on that church. Forgiveness does not equal trust. 
And when we preach the hardness of forgiveness, and it is hard, but it's beautiful, and the more you step into the gospel, the more it makes sense. Man, and what I've been given, I want to give to others, and it's best for my heart. All, all that is true and real, but sometimes we got to define the word, because when I preach forgiveness, some of you are thinking trust. So I've got to forgive this person that did this, and it's not all crazy, you know, uh, deep, not crazy, but it's not deep abuse stuff. Sometimes it's just relational hurt, and you think, if I forgive them like God wants me to, it means I have to trust them, and it's not true. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. Be free. God doesn't want you to trust people that are not trustworthy. Forgiveness is not earned. We give it just as God gave it to us. Forgiveness is not earned. Trust is. I'll forgive you. And God would call me to forgive you. But don't let me that God would call me to trust you. And some of you struggle with that. And you need to picture Jesus, whatever you picture Jesus like, right? And you need to picture a strong, amazing Jesus whispering to you, don't you do it. Don't you trust them. Don't you trust them ever. Jesus will whisper that or maybe yell that in your ear. Yes, forgive them. I'm going to walk you through it. But forgiveness is not equal trust. Let's go back to my eBay story. I'll, I'll come clean. Go. Say some stuff. Or come at the man's perfect 100% feedback. I emailed him. I said, listen, I just don't, I don't feel right about this, but I get, I don't know what happened, right? I wasn't there. Your kid may have done that. Why don't you do this for me? Why don't you, why don't you send me, this is all on the same day. Why don't you send me a picture of the card in its damaged state and we'll be, and, and I'll, that's all I need, you know, because it could have happened. I don't, I'm not calling you a liar. He got all upset. You call me a liar. I'm not calling you a liar. Show me the picture of the damaged card. I'm sure you didn't throw away. It was, you know, hours ago at this point. Um, and, you know, I hate it for you. I hate it for me. We'll move on. That message came back with all kinds of venom. And now he's, now he's trying to get me to go be. He's calling me names. Like, I called names like that on eBay ever. I haven't heard some of those words since high school. I was like, oh, I've never seen it in written. Is that how you spell that? I don't know if that's how you, how you spell that. It's like, I didn't, I didn't say anything about it, dude. I just said, I hate it for you. Let me see the card. But man, oh, and I was like, listen, I'm going I'm to have to ding your, your feedback. I'm going to have to give you a negative review because this ain't, this ain't right. And he's like, oh, you a negative review? I'll give you a negative review because I got 100%. I'm going to ruin your, you'd give me negative, I'm going to give you negative. I'm like, well, that's not how it works. eBay controls and polices that. I didn't do anything. Nothing in my process can negative review. They'll strike that right off and delete it. Yours, however, you scammed me, bro. I'm giving you a negative review. So what did I do? I didn't do B. I didn't say some stuff, but I went A and C. I can stand A. Back to the future cards was his handle. Like, I'm good with him. I'm at peace with him. I let it go. But I also ruined his 100% feedback, right? And I'm happy about it, right? (laughs) Why? Why did he do that today? Was it vengeful? I don't think so. I I think it was. I don't trust this guy. He's doing it to me. He's doing it to others. And people look at the rating and to know it doesn't mean he's not a, you know, can't be a good guy. Doesn't mean whatever. We all make mistakes. Maybe his kid did and whatever. He didn't want to send me the picture. I don't know. But I didn't feel right. I'm going to ding because you're bringing it back away from eBay. Sometimes not holding people accountable enables them to hurt other people. And I'm not talking about eBay. <laughs> Sometimes you think, well, I got to forgive. 
and you think that means trust or that means, sometimes God's going to call you to forgive and hold somebody accountable because not holding them accountable just enables and reinforces them to continue doing to you or doing to others what they've done to you. I went this week, I haven't looked in months and months, I went and found this guy's rating. He has all kinds of negative reviews and then he, he ghosted, like he's gone. His account is deleted and he doesn't exist except in the comments. And I made, you can see my comment to him. Guy sold me the card that didn't send it to me and then his comment back to me, this dude called me a liar, rude, exclamation point. That's the only public conversation part, right? Let it be, right? Let it go. But... Greater eBay good. So you know what I'm saying? You got to be able to let Jesus guide you through forgiveness. I can forgive, but I can't necessarily reconcile. Why? Because reconciliation requires repentance. You cannot reconcile with someone without repentance. If there's been an offense done wrong, then that has to, that has to be repented of. There has to be sorrow. There has to be remorse. It has to be communicated we desire reconciliation. We're not anti that. We love reconciliation. That's so central to the gospel. We want that whenever we can get it, but we can't control it. Some of you have relationships that you would love and you're praying for them to be reconciled and God is beautiful answering those prayers. But at the end of the day, that's between him and that person. You can forgive, but you can't mandate or manipulate or control reconciliation. It requires repentance. If I wrong you, if I wronged you some way, and I don't care that I wronged you, right? So I've wronged you in some way, maybe I know, maybe you bring it to my attention, and I just, I don't care, or whatever. I don't care that I wronged you. Reconciliation can't happen. Doesn't matter how sweet you are, doesn't matter how forgiving you, I have wronged you, and I don't care. There is no scenario where reconciliation comes out of that. We just gotta accept that. Forgiveness still happens. You still forgive me. I wrong you and I don't care. Why do you forgive me? Because you should? No, because it's an act of worship. Forgiveness is an act of worship. Don't think I'm, I'm letting this person off the hook. Think I'm shipping God and being obedient because of what he's done to me, I'm gonna do to others regardless of their response. Like we worship, we think worship and song and that's one I just love. It's just so good to be in this room and, and do this and worship our great, sing this truth that we sang. But worship is way more than the songs we sing. It is an act of incredible, intimate worship to forgive someone who doesn't care that they wronged you. You know, I've talked about it before. I'm going to go back to it today because it's just such a, down, it's, it's not in a history book, it's not across the ocean, it's a few hours from here in Charleston, South Carolina, where a young man, you know the story, went into an African-American church on purpose. Imagine the evil of sitting through a Bible study, waiting for it to be over, and then start shooting people. And the enemy, he's deceitful and he's tricky and he's all these things, but sometimes we get a kind of an inward look at his playbook, right? I've done this for a long time back when I was a student pastor, but I've read all these interviews with, with school shooters, with mass shootings, with people like the dude that did this in Charleston, and they, they, they have eerily similar language. 
Right? We don't use the word demon possession. We don't use that phrase like, we, like the scripture does. But, but evil and Satan and demon possession is involved when people do things like that. And the, do, the, the, the writings of this guy, he, went, he killed those nine people in Charleston. And, and in his writings, his goal was to start a race war. That, and that was, that's all the enemy. How can, how can we get people and, and this movement and the gospel, which includes multi-ethnic movement, man, they really thought between the enemy, between this guy, they really thought that shooting in Charleston would be the beginning of an actual, not a, like an actual war between white and black people in America. That was the goal. And we could talk about that and preach about that. But think about, you, you could drive down, like this didn't happen in 1952. You can drive down and talk to the families who are getting ready to celebrate Thanksgiving and aunt or aunt or son or daughter or mom or dad or grandpa are not at the table because this guy took their life. It's real. And in that, how can we explain not months or years or weeks, but days, hours after the murder of loved ones. These people show up in court, the family of those loved ones, and they look in the eyes to a Zoom screen, a, di- a digital screen of the killer. And not one of them, not one really strong, but over and over and over again, they lead with, I forgive you. The killer, the murderer, shown zero remorse. He's sitting there like a punk just looking at a screen like he's got somewhere better to be. And these people who will never on this earth see their loved ones again, not after counseling, not after years, after hours, boldly, not two, not three, all of them. They talk about Jesus. And they talk about forgiveness. And your reaction is my reaction times of like, there's no way. There's just no way I could do that. And I am so confident if we had one of those blessed family members in this room today, they said, yeah, I can't do that either. That wasn't me. That was the Jesus that was on a cross saying, God, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That crazy power forgiveness that has been poured over us now flows through us in the worst possible situation. It's real. It's miraculous. That was broadcast on all kinds of channels. They tried to cut it because people kept talking about Jesus. It was too late. The word was out. And our world not make sense of that. That's what we bring. That's what we live in. It's not because that guy deserved it. There was no remorse shown. It doesn't matter. This is an act of worship. Now, I've never, church, I've never had to forgive anybody anywhere close to anything even approaching that depth. I don't know what that's like on any level. I think about hard things to forgive. I've lived such a blessed life. You know, I've told some of you it was, a, it was a, a little bit of a hard road for me to walk. I can't believe that in February, it'll be 10 years since my dad went to be with Jesus. And in his death, he was in hospice care for way longer than the doctors thought. My brother were taking turns, spending the night with him in hospice, knowing it could be his last night. And uh, thankfully, the whole family um, was able to be with him the night he actually died. But in those nights, I kept waiting for the big father-son speech. I kept waiting for, son, I'm about to go, and I just want to remind you, 
And I'd written him a letter months earlier, kind of pouring out my heart on some things. He acknowledged that letter. I was waiting for a letter back, never got a letter. And I just wanted this last, like, dad, here's what I'm at. Like, this is the big, you know, I'm going out and this is son. And it never can. Right? And I, I don't say that to compare it to whatever you're dealing with. But I found myself in, in the months after his death, like, I felt like he owed me that which is ridiculous, right? I don't know what it's like to be on your deathbed. And he's, he was an incredible dad. He was an incredible dad. But I was carrying it. I didn't even know I was carrying it until, you know, I realized through some processing, counseling, things I've learned, hey, I'm, I've, I feel like he owed me something that I didn't get. And I was able to, not on my own, with Jesus, I was able to let go. And when I talk about my daddy, when I tell that story today, there's no bitterness. Like, I had an incredible dad. I'm so thankful. And I... I see a scenario without Jesus' help. If I better, if I didn't understand, like I could be carrying that for 10 years, that one thing. There's so much beauty in letting it go. And we chose this message on this Sunday because we know some of you didn't have great dads. And we're doing it today because we know Thursday uh, is a beautiful day for a lot of people, but for some in our church, it's a really, really hard day. And some of you are going to grit your teeth and you go and you're going to eat good food with people that you got some stuff that you've never let go. And you, you kind of hate it, but you get through it. And some of you others, you don't even see the people in your family anymore because it just got to be too much. And it's just not worth the trip or the, or the anxiety or the stress. And I don't, I don't have a clue. But I do know that God's calling you to forgive some people that you don't want to forgive. Maybe you're in, in your family. Maybe you're going to see them this week. Maybe they're dead. Maybe they don't know or don't care what they did to you. And I'm not talking about saying some words. I'm talking about forgiving them from your heart. Why should I? Because just ask. In Christ, God forgave us. We forgive others. No, you're not letting them off the hook. It's you're the one. You're the one that's carrying it. You're the one God wants to free from it. Even if you didn't do anything wrong, would you trust God with it? Some of you had somebody in your mind 30 minutes ago when I gave you a hint of where we were going and you've been fighting it. We prayed this week will be a holy place where the spirit of God works in this moment. So here's how it's going to work. I'm going to pray a powerful prayer. Not powerful because I'm praying it. It's powerful because of who we're praying to and his investment and how he shows up when we ask him to help us in forgiveness. When I say amen, you're going to be dismissed. Unless you got something to deal with with God. So the reason we're dismissing you, you're not less of a Christian, you're not any of that. Like some of you got places to go, some of you got kids to pick up, some of you good, right? So go and God bless you. If you want to have conversations and cut up, do that in the parking lot or in the lobby. Go to Angel Tree. We got to take care of those families. This is like, do all that. But after, amen, those who don't leave the room are going to be dealing with God. When I think about those Charleston families, I think there's two pieces of forgiveness. There's the initial, I'm going to let this go. And I bet 
There's been days where they had to bring it back to God. It's not just simple like I let it go and it's over forever. We're humans. There's a process. But the process of healing can't begin until that initial from the heart, I'm giving this to you, God. I don't even want to, but I'm trusting you. I'm going to put this thin carrying and holding against whoever. I'm going to put this in your lap. We don't think you need to pray about that this week. We're thinking from Scripture, you need to let that go. If you understand what God's saying, you need to let it go now. So I'm going to pray. When I say amen, if you would quietly exit the room, unless you want to spend some time just letting something go before God. Don't go into your week carrying whatever it is against whoever it is. And we're going to leave you alone in the room to pray unless if we see you praying and your hand is up, that defies to some of our leaders uh, that you would like a human to come and pray with you. We're not, going to, we're not going to mess with you unless we see your hand. If we see a hand, then somebody will come pray over you. All right. We hope you have a great Thanksgiving. I'm going to pray when I say amen. I'm going to ask you to quietly leave unless you are going to let some things go before God. Once you do that, however long that takes, you can dismiss as well. Father, we are so thankful that what you accomplished for us miraculously, supernaturally pulls into 2021, that what Jesus did in Jerusalem on a cross, the words of forgiveness that he gave to his acute to his crucifiers, that that power now dwells in us. And there's a world out there that says we're weak and we're soft and we're letting people off the hook. We think that that's not true, that we don't have to carry some junk that we walked in here with. And God, we love reconciliation. There's going to be some beautiful conversations and reconciliations in our church from your truth. But God, there's also going to be some stuff that we cannot reconcile. All we can do is put it in your lap. And God, we know there's an enemy and we know he wants us to carry this. And we know he wants, to, we know he wants us to believe some lies that there's nowhere we can go and nothing we can do. God, would you just help us trust you with what we've been holding? God, speak to hearts and minds in this room. Let them know who and what and how and give them courage from the heart to forgive people that don't deserve it. Tomorrow, but right now in this room today, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.